0: A sulky, over kind of hunky superhero, autistic and electrically transistor superhero, and exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. The
1: Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello, and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sanga. I am one of the hosts of the program, Devin Faraci, joining me as is tradition.
2: I am Derek Faraci, and I wish I was the verb to trust and never let you down.
1: Uh, Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, it's been it's been a week for me. We are talking it's about this off the air.
2: One week to do it with uh it, me.
1: But uh, I am I'm excited to be back for Marvel Vision. Uh, very exciting. Always when there's a new Marvel show on for me. Yeah, we're going to have a lot
2: to talk about because... Do you, do you how,
1: how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you watch these shows? Like when you watch them, when do you watch them the first With time? my eyes. When, 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 when do you watch them the first
2: time? um Usually, I, I usually watch them when this comes out on Wednesday. I watch it Wednesday evening with like after dinner.
1: Ah, there are some people who wait up until they go up. They wait yeah. up because it goes up at midnight Pacific. Yeah, it's way too late for me. It's 3 a.m. That's 3 a.m. It's for you. Bad. I like yeah. to wake up. In the morning, and I get up around yep. 7, 7.30, and I like to watch the episode over breakfast.
2: There you go. That's very
1: nice. It is. I have discovered this is my sweet spot in the streaming age. You know, now that shows drop at midnight or whatever, um, yep. I have found that in this house, we love getting up in the morning and watching our shows over breakfast. Okay. Okay. It is just the nicest way to do it. I, I don't know why it's so great, but it really is terrific. And it's like a nice morning thing. We don't do it obviously every morning, only when we have shows that are on and only when it shows that are streaming. So they drop at midnight or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, You know, most mornings we just do like music or quiet, but like a couple of times a week we watch our show and sure. it's just the best. Yeah, I,
2: I did that for a while and I stopped doing it because I, I would not be fully like focused during that period.
1: See, it's funny. I find it easier to focus in the morning than I do in the evening. Do you? Like if I've had a full day and I've done stuff, sometimes I find it a little bit hard to wind down and get yeah. down in front of the show and like pay attention. But when I'm waking up and I'm just like starting to get my shit together, I find that I have the ability to focus pretty nicely in that moment. And I got my coffee okay. going, you know what I mean? Like so like it's like it's ramping me up. The show's ramping me up. I don't know. I just love it.
2: Yeah, I, didn't I, can't, think, I can't watch it when I'm eating. Like like I said, I, I wait till after dinner and then I watch it. Because if I'm eating – focused on that food
1: oh boy I cannot take his eyes off the food you never know when somebody's gonna grab it out from under you you never know who's
2: gonna steal my mexican lasagna uh
1: that you make yourself i'm assuming right i do yes yeah you're a big chef
2: i guess I mean, it's like four ingredients and you put it in the oven
1: <laughs> you know
2: it's not that hard
1: uh that's it's what that's all the though. chefs that's what all the chefs say all the chefs say it's not that hard i guess what's mexican lasagna
2: uh it's uh what what is it it's uh you use corn tortillas instead of like the the zagna noodles right huh and it's uh ricotta cheese uh uh sour cream chicken uh onion diced tomatoes uh little uh, uh cilantro like and think and then uh uh, like a Mexican blend cheese on the top, and you put it in the oven. Like, you mix it all together, like, in layers. Put it into the oven.
1: Cook it for about 30 minutes, and you're good to go. Um, you don't use uh, tomato sauce or paste. Just diced tomatoes. Just diced tomatoes.
2: Hmm, interesting. Because you, you mix together, like, the... Uh, there's something else. I'm forgetting. There's something else in it. That I'm not remembering what it is. But you mix together the the ricotta cheese with with, with the with the sour cream and something else gets mixed in with that. I can't remember what. And that kind of acts as your, your sauce. It's it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. Oh God, I got it.
1: I got it. I got to give it, I got to give it a chance. I got I to gotta give it a shot. because It's mean, it It's
2: very easy to make and, and it's very delicious. And it makes, um, 12. No, I'm sorry. It makes
1: eight servings. So yeah. You're, good. you're a guy that makes likes to, um, you're a guy that likes to uh, make one meal and eat it all week. Yes. I can't do that.
2: No. Well. No. You wouldn't have to because there's two of you, so it would just be four servings, really. It's too many. I can't. Or you might, make, you might make, you can have larger servings and then you're down to like two servings or three servings, whatever. Before
1: I mean. before we get started on the show, we have um, some housekeeping to take care of. Yep. Some behind the scenes business. We have an apology and a retraction that needs to be made. Yep. You made somebody very mad at you. I did. He slapped me through the phone.
2: <laughs> Go ahead. He said, you're not my son. <laughs> uh, I, last week, I said that our father did not know that I uh, Oscar Isaac was, wasn't was British. And he was like, of course I know that Llewellyn Davis is not British. You son of a bitch. You're not my son. So, sorry. Sorry, Dad.
1: Yeah, I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and he really was like worked up about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. A few days ago. (laughs) So funny. Uh, Yeah, so uh, uh, Joseph Farachi does know that Oscar Isaac is American. Um, And he is a huge fan of him from Inside Llewyn Davis. Uh, And he was an even bigger fan when he discovered that he really played guitar in that movie. Yeah. So it's very important to specify this, that our father, uh, is uh, who is not in heaven yet, but he uh, is aware of the nationality of Oscar Isaac. Yes. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, we got any Marvel
2: news? Uh, we got news. We're going to start with the, the sad news that uh, Ezra Miller has once again been arrested in Hawaii for attacking somebody with a chair.
1: Okay. So here's the deal. It's like 18 months until this movie comes out, right? Yeah. Can they just re- – I mean like, I'm not even kidding. Can they just reshoot it? I don't know. I have no idea. Like that seems no like – like it seems plausible to me. Like 18 months seems like enough time.
2: Here's my question, and you, I would imagine, would have more knowledge on this kind of thing than I do. Where is like his management team to be like, hey Ezra, it's time to leave Hawaii. There's nobody can control him. Maybe That's it's time to go to to rehab.
1: I'm sure there are people behind the scenes who are trying to do these things for him, but the, nobody can control him. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, you can't force somebody into these into these things. Um, and if he doesn't want to do it, he's a grown up. And he's going to do what he wants to do. So. Yeah. That's the problem. I, I mean, guess. the people, the last people that he attacked, he was staying in their house because it was a hostel. So it's like, he's looking at, I don't even know what he's even doing because he's not like staying in hotels and stuff.
2: No. I mean, so, this, time, this one, he hit a, a 26-year-old woman in the forehead with a chair and cut her head open.
1: Because she told him to leave a party because he was misbehaving at. Yeah, I believe is the story here, right? I believe so. Yeah, I really honestly wonder what Warner Brothers... Is going to do. So I feel like Fantastic Beasts is over, right? Like, that's done for everybody. Like, that's just over. I'm not sure. I'm not – because it's doing well overseas.
2: So I have a feeling that they might go straight to HBO Max kind of deal or something like that.
1: Maybe. I just feel like if I was in those movies, I wouldn't want to be in them anymore because there's such a cancellation vortex. Yes. Like, if I was Jude Law, I'd be really worried about just getting caught up in it. Yeah. You know? Um, I like guess that's, that's, it's concerning, like how fucked up it is behind the scenes on those movies. Like the number of people with problematic behaviors or situations on on, on those movies is pretty interesting. Um, and then also nobody likes them, the movies. Yes. Nobody likes those movies. No. Crazy they made three of them because I don't think anybody's ever liked any of them. I mean the other two made money. Yeah, yeah, they made money because they made money off of the Harry Potter thing. But by the time they got to three, everybody was like, "Oh, these are awful. We don't, we yes. don't like these." Yeah, you, you own these on 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 Voodoo. I own two of them. Yeah, two of the three. The third one's not available yet. Nope. I haven't I've even not seen, seen the third one. one yet. Yeah, no. me neither. I thought about it the other day. I had some free time, and I said, "You know what? I don't know. Maybe leave like, it yeah, too max short." In like a month. Yeah, that's the back, thing, right? So. Um, but the Flash, right? So. He's never playing the Flash again. Like if he, like like if they don't cut him out of the Flash movie, they're just not going to use him anymore. There's no I, I, way.
2: I wonder about this because there's the Robert Downey Jr. of it all, right? Like he could clean up and turn around.
1: Robert Downey Jr. Or
2: are we in an age now where there is no turning around?
1: It doesn't make a difference because Robert Downey Jr. took it. It takes years. Yeah. It's not just a thing that you can just do over the course in between making two movies. Downey yeah. Jr. needed to really hit rock bottom, needed to go to jail, needed to do all these things and come out the other side. And remember, Robert Downey Jr. couldn't get um, he couldn't get uh, insured on Iron Man. <laughs> like yeah. they really had to go to the mat for him. Like so that's the thing. So with Downey, he had all these problems. He was is unemployable. That true, by the way? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, because he was making other movies. Was he not insured on like Wonder Boys? which came out like... Less than a year before Iron Man, like I mean, it's I I think because it was an indie movie or it was a smaller movie. Either he wasn't insured or the insurance wasn't as big a deal because he wasn't okay. the lead. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was a lead, but he wasn't the lead, right? Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I just know that it's with crazy how everyone in Wonder Boys is now in the Marvel Universe. Every, if you go to any movie from the early two thousands, most of them are in the Marvel Universe. The stars, I mean, it's very. There's almost nobody left. Um, so then nobody left to be in these. Uh, movies that will surprise us i I can't imagine who will surprise us ever again Um, the
2: the remaining cast of dazed and confused
1: (laughs) but uh i just don't see because there's two things about ezra miller one is that he's so problematic right And he won't stop and two nobody cares about him like he's not a huge star like johnny depp like operates in this like weird zone yes he's a big star and so, you know, he – even though Disney finally eventually like pulled away from him and, and Warner Brothers pulled away from him, it took a long time because he's such a big star.
2: And, and they only pulled away from him when it was like, oh, he's not making money.
1: Well, that's the other thing, right? So like once yeah. once he began to not quite make the money – but nobody cares about Ezra Miller. I mean no. I don't mean like – I mean like in box office. Like he doesn't yeah. open a movie. He makes no. no difference in the bottom line of a movie. No, So but, I mean Robert Downey
2: Jr. wasn't – opening movies before i know but
1: robert but look what iron man was iron man was a sea character like that's the whole yeah. thing about yeah. we always forget that about that first movie downey mm-hmm. wasn't a, a wasn't a big star anymore and iron man was not a big character yeah and marvel studios is not a real studio no i mean and it was I, I, because the they had their I own elf. money <laughs> exactly <laughs> it was the guy world. who made elf and the guy who produced who was one of the assistant producers on the x-men movies right yes. i mean like yeah. so that's that's the thing about the first iron man so that that's the that's origin so story crazy they just I cannot him. wait for the Paramount Plus miniseries about it. <laughs> like but uh but I'm nobody, nobody cares about Ezra Miller, so they're just gonna replace him. I mean, there's just no there's no value in not replacing him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Faist is out there just waiting for the call.
1: Yeah, I know. He really could be a good flash. He could. Uh, he has that like he has the same Ezra Miller physicality. So yeah. Um you, that's why you could just reshoot the whole movie and any scene where you don't see his face, it's Ezra Miller. And any scene where you do see this face, it's Mike face. Yeah. All right. What what else we got?
2: Uh, bridging the gap between Marvel and DC in some ways. Uh, Barry Keoghan was also arrested. Uh, he was arrested in, in I believe Dublin for drunken intoxication. Uh,
1: I I gotta say something.
2: Cause the scene, he was just
1: uh, being loud. I gotta say something. It really, I have been drunk in Dublin and I think you really got to work at it to get arrested. You really got to work at it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah he was arrested on the morning of sunday april 10th in dublin after complaints from a resident about a man outside their window when they arrived he was just hanging out drunk and uh he didn't do anything He was like yeah it's all right
1: good for him yeah good and for him
2: was, uh, 6 45 a.m <laughs> he's drunk at 6 45 a.m was that's a that's a drinking all night kind of deal right there I one
1: time uh I was without
2: charged and issued with a fixed charge notice. I don't know what that means.
1: Good for him. One time, I was in Ireland. We were in, I want to say Belfast, right? And we were out drinking, and it was like a it was, it was a movie set visit. We were there to visit the movie City of Ember, with um, started by Bill the Murray class. and as Bill Murray and Sarah Ronan when she was like fourteen. This okay. is like one of her first movies and we interviewed her and it was like so clear. She was like yeah. a great actor. Like it was crazy to interview this kid and be like, wow, this kid has it. Um, but we, we went we, out by and, the
2: the canceled as of today, Bill Murray,
1: Bill Murray having troubles. Uh, I'm surprised it took this long to catch up with him. There's a lot of stories about Bill Murray, but anyway, um, we were out drinking and uh, it was a bunch of journalists and publicists and we were at like some pub and we met some Irish guys. And the Irish guys, um, took us back to their house to keep drinking after the pub closed. And we just went back to these strangers house and just drank all night and they had a service. This is a long time ago. This is before Uber eats or any kind of those delivery services. They knew a guy they could call after everything was closed and he would show up at their house and deliver booze to us. That's pretty cool, and that was like a that was like wild to us back then. You know what I mean? Because this is yeah. like 10, 10 years ago or something like that, yeah. more than ten years ago. Um, but uh, that's the that's the hospitality of the Irish man. They'll just take the you. Irish around. are fantastic. Yeah, to great people. A great people had a, I have had a number of great experiences in Ireland. I was in Ireland another time. I was in Dublin, and I was up by myself. And I think if you're listening to this, you might know what I look like, right? So I have a big beard, and um, I kind of have wild hair a lot of the time. And I was by myself in this uh, district called Temple Bar, and I was walked into a, a, a pub. And I swear to God, it was like in a movie when the record scratch happens. Like, I walk into the pub, and it's like, and everybody turns and looks at me, right? And this one guy looks at me, and he goes, Ah! If it isn't Osama bin fucking Laden in it,
2: did you see
1: <laughs> a while and, back? And well, I, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. These people are going to now beat me to death. But then he goes, I'll ah, get over here. I'll buy you a drink. It was like, yeah. like that's Ireland.
2: Well, a while back there was a Twitter thread of people. It started with one person. was like, I'm in Ireland. And I walked into this bar and everyone turned and looked at me. And one of the guys just yelled out, look at that fucking cunt. <laughs> and, then, like, and then it turned into a thread of all these people being like, when I was in Ireland, I walked into a bar and this is what was yelled out at me. And it's just <laughs> hundreds of people. And some of them are like one guy was like, like, I was just wearing a black shirt and black pants. And this guy said, hey, look, look at this. Look at this asshole. He thinks he's Dracula. <laughs> and it's like and it, it, it was one of my favorite Twitter threads of like ever because it's all just like the Irish being assholes to people, and then just like you, and then just buying them drinks. Like, oh, well, it's I'm like a
1: charming people. asshole thing. It's like this yeah. biting because the, the Irish, you know, we're 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 half Irish, you and I. Yeah, and I think that the Irish side of us is like our 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 writer side, you know, what I mean like our creative side is the Irish side of us because that's that's where that comes from. And yeah, they, they yeah. come up with really good fucking burns, man. They're witty. They're very witty people.
2: The Irish. They don't get the credit for, for their wit, I think, as much as they maybe should.
1: So I was in another bar in Ireland and I was talking to some Irish girls and I said, oh, I'm I'm loaded. And I said, oh, I'm Irish. And one of the girls goes, ah, well, where in Ireland were you born then? Yeah. And I said, well, I was born in uh, Brooklyn. And they go, oh, so you're not really Irish, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I guess I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what went,
2: else we got? The, the the first time I went to Ireland. Well, okay. On the plane, the guy sitting next to me as the the stewardesses were coming through and it was an Aer Lingus flight and the stewardesses were coming through with the drinks and the guy says sitting next to me he says, "Can I get a Guinness?" And the stewardess goes who is Irish goes, "Are we in Ireland?" And and the guy said, "No, we're we're still flying." Like, and she's like, "Well then you can't have a fucking Guinness, can you? Because there's only Guinness in
1: Ireland."
0: Like, That's <laughs> amazing.
1: <laughs> I loved it. Oh, boy. Yeah. All um, right. Uh, what else we got? Uh, one more bit of
2: DC news. Charlie's Theoron is uh, producing the HBO Max movie, You Brought Me the Ocean, based on the book about uh, Aqualad, the new Aqualad. So there you
1: go. This is like one of those YA novels
2: that they publish, right? Yes. Yes. And this is, this is a LGBTQ YA novel,
1: novel. It's the whole alphabet right there. LGBTQYA. Yep. Uh well good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh we're going to get we're going to get uh we're going to get a a gay Aqualad movie before we get another Superman movie. <laughs> good. That's no, I know. Fine. I'm not No, it's not bad. It's just like very funny how DC's thing is like very strange. Well th- this is I I was saying this the other day like this is what DC has that
2: they really need to work on like if they want to do movies and stuff to separate itself from Marvel, go deeper. You have a uh, DC is a much wider and stranger grouping of characters and diverse grouping of characters that Marvel has, just right. go with it. Just go nuts. Like, here you go. Hey, you brought me the ocean. It's a love story about Aqualad. Go. Done. Like, let, let's let's do that. Break it out. Don't just do the basics and keep trying to be Marvel because
1: no one's been able to, to recreate what Marvel did. No. Nobody. Yeah, you know? yeah no, I, I think you're right. I think doing their own weird things like this, and I use the word weird in, that, in, a, in a very large way. Like, I don't outside mean- of what you would expect from a superhero... Yeah, to kinda, kind of thing. to yeah. kind of break open the parameters of what one of these things can be. Yeah, um, I think you're right. It's great. It's it's terrific. I mean, we'll see if it's any good. Um, I think one of the problems yeah, with I these don't know y- if it's good,
2: but like you know,
1: yeah, one of the problems with movies like this very often is that, um, in my personal experience, they make these movies and they don't think they have to be that good because they don't respect the audience they're making it for. Yeah, these especially the YA oriented ones. They go, ah, you know, these kids. He's hot, right? His shirt's off. There we go. That's all we need. And that, you know, and sometimes the ones that really work, it's because the people actually care about the work they're doing. Yes. So. And yet the Twilight
2: ones are the ones that made the most money.
1: Well, that's because the final Twilight movie is one of the most insane movies anybody's ever made. It's (laughs) one of the most
2: insane movies of all time. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why. (laughs) Between the, the decapitations and the
1: CGI baby, it's pretty nuts. The the werewolf falling in love with the baby, yeah. I mean, like yeah. you know, so like you know, they have those movies have their own thing going on. Maybe. All right, what else we got? Uh,
2: Paul Bettany, uh was just talking to Entertainment Weekly, and they asked him if he was done with Vision, and he said the honest answer to that is, well, maybe it's not the honest answer, but it's the answer I'm going to give you, and you'll just have to cope with it. At the end of Wandavision, you see Vision fly off, and he's, uh, and that's a loose end. And Kevin is a man who doesn't really allow loose ends. So I assume at some point I'll be putting on my tights and cloak for another outing, but I don't know when that might be. So there you go. He's not saying no, but he's not saying he's, he's got anything in the, in the plan. it's kind
1: of a dumb question for him because that is what happens. Like vision flies off at the end of WandaVision. He's clearly coming back. Like it's like such a weird question to ask Yeah. because I guess you're just trying to get him on the record saying the thing so you can do a headline, I guess.
2: Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously like, Vision's
1: coming back, obviously. I mean, that's
2: 99.9% of these interviews now is just trying to get these actors to be like, I, who knows? I might come back. And then they can do the headline like, is, is uh, you know, is Allison Hannigan going to be in the new Marvel movie? Right. Which character is she willing to play? You know, and it's like, right. as that's always my favorite question is whenever an interviewer asks an actor like, hey, would you be in Star Wars? Who's gonna say no? Like, yeah, yeah, it's Marvel. Are they paying? It's a job. <laughs> I'm an actor. That's a job. Sounds good. You know, and that is a job. That's a Star Wars movie would probably up my uh, quote at the end of the day, so it's even could. better. I could. All right, what else yeah. we got? Uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse is moving from 2022 to 2023.
1: I don't know why I felt that that 2022 was um, optimistic when they dated it. I, it felt really optimistic to me, and it was I. Like, Four months ago that they dated it? Yeah, and which is like, we had never heard about it. Like, and all of a sudden it was like coming in a couple of months. And you're like, huh, yeah. that doesn't usually how this animation stuff works. Um, no, so, especially good. right now where apparently animation stuff is taking a lot longer. Yeah, so good. I mean, I want them to take as long as possible to make it as good as possible. Yeah. So, even more exciting than the same
2: article is that it says that Equalizer 3 is coming. And that makes me no? very excited. Oh, boy. Because I just rewatched both Equalizer movies this weekend. Because I love those movies very much.
1: Do you watch the Queen Latifah Equalizer? I have not. I have not. The Equalizer is like DC. There's multiple Equalizer universes. Yes.
2: I think like at the same time, Latifah Latifah's going to show up in Equalizer 3. <laughs> All right. What else we got? I wonder who she could play. The, I mean, besides the Equalizer, but like who, how would she connect into it? Uh, Miss Marvel has been dated for June 8th. So that's Sounds coming good. pretty soon. That's uh, about two months away. That's going to be well, our next show months. on the Marvel Vision. Yeah. So there we go. Now we there know we that uh, we have two weeks left of Moon Knight, and then we're going to have to f- figure out some filler, I guess. And, or uh, we just go on to we much. go
1: dark again. We went dark I last think time. we should
2: go dark again. I think you don't think so, huh? I think it's too long, and especially we just came back. I think that's a mistake. Hmm. Okay, we'll talk mistake. about it. And then
1: finally, the Thor Love
2: and Thunder teaser came out. It was good. Yeah, it was
1: fine. Um, I really like that teenage Thor is wearing classic Thor costume. I don't. Why not?
2: Because I feel like it's, it's making, it's goofing on it. That's, that's how it felt to me. really childish
1: that's a childish outfit i don't think so it didn't feel that way to me it felt more like in a a sequence Thor
2: running around in it doesn't make it feel like it's a childish outfit
1: no it made it feel like it was acknowledging the growth and change of the character and and the past of the character so like i just it felt reasonable to me it didn't seem crazy it seemed i I like because it was teenage thor too so it didn't even seem like the kid i mean maybe kid thor had it on too but teenage thor was the one that i really caught wearing it um also, there's Thor's also wearing the same outfit that he wears in uh, Incredible Hulk. Yes. So that's a reference. That's definitely, that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, somebody was mad that Thor is uh, not fat anymore?
2: A lot of people were. Uh,
1: that seems silly to me. I want Thor not people to be fat. I had mad enough that, fat
2: that Thor. That Thor isn't fat. People are mad that uh, Star-Lord is apparently homophobic because he's not in love with Thor in the trailer. I'm confused by that one.
1: <laughs> I'm not even sure if we know that. It, like, like, I don't even know what's even happening there. Uh, it's a very strange. The response is very strange to that. It's, yeah. it's all. It's all just anti-Chris Pratt stuff. Yes, people just don't, don't like Chris Pratt, so that's yep. what that's about. Yeah, yeah, and they don't like
2: uh, thin
1: Thor, I guess. Or they don't like Thor. thin Thor. I thought that. Um, I thought that Foster Jane Foster is. Thor looks really great. She. Muscled up. Talk about muscles. She sure did. And John Cena, um, on Instagram noticed that um, her helmet has a has a striking resemblance to the Peacemaker helmet. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, Gunn said so too. J- yeah. yeah,
2: James Gunn tweeted out a picture of it. It's like he's like, hey, they stole the helmet. <laughs> 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 I mean, stuff.
1: that's her helmet in the comics. I mean, like yes. so. Um, yeah. but uh, she looks really, really great. They did two posters. One with Thor, and it says the one and only. And then one with Jane Foster, and it says, Not the one and only, or something like that. Yeah. What I, whatever I it says. So. I thought it was a really good tr- teaser. It doesn't tell you a damn thing about the story. No. No. Um, we do get to see the back of Russell Crowe as Zeus. Yes. Um, I'm going to make a bet that he's dead by the middle of the second act. I think so. It's the adaptation of the God Killer storyline from the comics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: So if you're introducing the Greek gods, what's the reason to do that except to have characters for the god killer to kill? Yes. So, That's very true. Um,
2: that seems I like, feel like they missed a chance with Russell Crowe. I kind of wish he was playing Hercules. I think that would been much
1: more The fun. reason why I think they can't do that is because Hercules is in a weird space in the Marvel comics that I think they might want to take advantage of where he is like a bisexual party boy. You don't think Russell Crowe would be
2: down to play that?
1: the thing is that like he an would older bisexual party boy i think that's the thing i think that he might be too old and fat for that frankly i think that's the problem like i, think I don't it's crazy um i mean it's not crazy i think it's i think it's i, I, I think you can be old fat and bisexual party boy i think it works no, you can be but i think that they're going to want to take this character maybe do stuff with him yeah. um and like maybe make him like a character that appears in things
2: then there's only one other choice for it what chris pontius
1: that's actually a good choice <laughs> Yes, he is party boy. <laughs> he is party boy. He's the original yes. party boy. That is a good choice. Chris Pontius is as Hercules is a very good choice. Yeah. Uh so but I'm curious if they're gonna have Hercules in this or not. I I kinda suspect they're not gonna.
2: Probably not. I think we would have heard something. Because that, that's not a that's a character I feel like you cast somebody for, right?
1: Right? It seems that way. But I guess we'll Just, find out. I mean you start but again, plotting,
2: like how how many more of these are we gonna do to Hemsworth? We're already doing one more than everybody else. So
1: But I feel like those Olympian gods are going to get fucking knocked off big time. Probably. So, you know. Do you think any of the Egyptian gods will show up? I don't think so. No? No, I don't think so. I would guess not. I would guess not. The
2: other controversy from that trailer is uh, that they did a direct shot from the comic, and people are very upset by that.
1: Yeah, I don't really understand why they're mad about it. Um, I think the,
2: the artist should be paid for it. And it's like, well, he was. He drew the comic.
1: Yeah, I disagree with you on this. I think the artist should be getting money from the production as well. Um, I, I believe the artist
2: should be getting money from the production as well. But the idea of like, he did this panel, then they put it in there, and they should pay him. No, they should pay him because he did the story that they're taking it from, not just because right. they used the panel. Like,
1: No, yeah, I think Marvel doesn't do a good job paying the creators of these original comics. Um, no. DC does a pretty good job.
2: DC does a better job. They get less complaints, but they're still... Apparently issues.
1: I have a friend who created a minor character for DC comics who ends up in a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah. And
1: he's like, he's like, he gets constant checks for it. Like it's just like, it's like very, very good for him.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's the, the Jim Starlin thing where Jim Starlin talks about how he got paid more for KG beast who doesn't even appear in costume in Batman V Superman right. than he's ever gotten from Marvel.
1: And it's like, that's insane. Right. And they're not even inviting him to the premieres and stuff. I mean, yeah. so no, it's yeah. very bad. The way they behave, the way they do this stuff is very, very bad. Um, yeah, I, I guess Marvel,
2: like five grand is what you get, I think, is what some creators have claimed.
1: Oh, and that's some opinion. of them. I don't even think that a lot of them get it. Um, but uh, I thought that, that recreating that panel was great. I thought it was cool. It's a great panel. And it's a very yeah, cinematic panel, and it looked really great in live action. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was my favorite shot in the entire trailer. And then I was like, oh, no wonder why. It's straight yeah, from a exactly. comic. There you go. But uh, I do hope the creators get paid. I really do. Like, they really do deserve it. I
1: wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I would like, I would like for Marvel to fix their fucking act on them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then actually one thing I totally forgot about, I didn't have this down, but I'm going to bring it up anyway as a bit of happy news. Uh, Flash and Wonder Woman writer Bill Messner-Lobes is, uh, he finally has a home. Oh, I mean, good. I'm you've like, talked so about well. him
1: on this show before a couple of times. Yes, he's like my had... uh,
2: favorite writer. Yeah. And he's been going through a lot of hard times for about 15, 20 years. And he really
1: has. He's been like homeless, right? He's been,
2: he's been homeless. He's been living in a hotel with his wife and he's been working at a, like a Panera. And this is one of the ones where it's like, maybe they're not giving these guys enough money at DC because uh, characters he created for flash have shown up on the flash TV show. So I, I would think he would have gotten money for that, but unless maybe he didn't hit them up for it. Cause you with, with DC, you have to send in a, a notice. Be like, Hey, you use my character give me money. Right. So maybe he didn't do that. I don't know. But uh, with the help of many, many people and uh, Hero Initiative, he now is living, him and his wife are living in an assisted living home, which seems very nice. And I'm really happy for them. I'm very excited.
1: That's good news. That's very, very good news. Hooray. And I
2: might meet him next month. I have to decide.
1: You're going to go to the assisted living home?
2: Well, no, he's going to be at the Michigan Comic Con. I might Go. Go. I gotta see.
1: I gotta see. Go 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 and spend money on him.
2: I would definitely spend I've I've spent lots of money on him in the past. I'll spend more money on him. I, yeah. I have my my do it for bill shirt, which is a shot from the panel from the Max, which he also co wrote. And uh and it's in the in the comic he says, he says do it for Julie. But here he says, Do it for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great shirt. Where wear it,
1: wear it to the show. I wouldn't do that. That's weird all right is that everything we have for news that is everything i'm trying to remember if i saw anything i don't think i did i don't think i saw any other uh interesting news pieces i think we really- saw like rumor
2: stuff that i just don't again i just don't like the rumor stuff you know where it's like this is right. who's in dr strange right you get on my patreon so you can find out who's on dr strange yeah, that is what people uh, definitely yeah. do. Uh, which I feel like, personally, if I was like a scooper guy, I'd be real careful what I put on my Patreon because those people are paying me. Like, it's not just putting it out on Twitter, which is one thing, but when people are paying you, if you're wrong, they're. I would imagine they'd stop paying you.
1: It is a really interesting conundrum, isn't it? But I think some of these people are um, pump-and-dump grifters. They're just yeah. going to make as much money as they can. Yeah. And uh, they're gonna move on and uh, you know get it through.
2: So and they can always be. I guess that scene got cut. Oh, it must have been cut. Must have been cut. cut the other Thor, Thor poster, by the way, said about how much they refilm stuff all the time. Uh,
1: the other Thor poster. The tagline is "The one is not the only." That's the tagline uh, for the Jane Foster poster. There you go. Yeah, I don't think there's any um interesting other interesting news. So I guess we should just do uh, our trivia. Trivia.
2: What is the Red Skull's real name? Shit. I used to know this. I don't remember it. I'll give you the four options. James Smith, Jaron Shriek, Jorah Schmitz, Johann Schmidt. Johann Schmidt. Yep. Probably because the other four, or the other three sound horribly fake. <laughs> uh... That one's way too easy. That one's way too easy. Uh, although Jane Foster is a nurse in the comics, what is her profession in the MCU? She's an astrophysicist? They just have physicists, but I'll, I'll accept Okay. Them. Who played the Hulk in the MCU prior to Mark Ruffalo?
1: Edward Norton. Norton! There you go. All right, that's our trivia one for this week. One of the for
2: that one is Matthew Lewis. I don't know who that is. They I just made, made up, up a name. name. They just
1: straight up made because
2: the other ones are Eric Bana and Ryan Reynolds, which are, at least are actors. <laughs> I don't know who Matthew Lewis is. <laughs> and Eric, Bana you think that's had like the writer's buddy or something? He's
1: like to stick in my phone. Maybe Eric Bana had played the Hulk. So that's like a trick question, yes, right? there. That's a tricky one. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right, are you ready to talk about the latest episode of Moon Knight? Just Marvel doing the same crap over and over again. <laughs> Got
2: how many Marvel shows and movies do we have to watch where a guy rips open the face of a mummy and shoves his hand down his th- the mummy's throat? Seriously. <laughs>
1: Season one, episode four, The Tomb. Um, our cold open this week is um, Khonshu's little statue being placed in a cubicle, like in a nice, like, Ikea Billy um, shelf shelving unit, I think. And it's placed in there, and we see that he is not alone. There's a bunch of fucking Egyptian gods in there. And they're screaming. And it makes us wonder, are the, uh, the members of the Ennead who are still running around, are they doing sort of a wild coup against the rest of the Egyptian gods? I mean we – there's no way to know how long they've all been locked up, right? Right. There's no way to know. And so that makes us wonder though. Like like there's – like Anubis is in there. Like these are like gods that like people know about, right? Yeah. So I wonder if that's what we're supposed to be learning from this. That in fact the guys that are running it, if like Osiris, is actually sort of locking up all the rest of the Egyptian gods on purpose. I mean I, I suppose that would make sense. That, yeah. It kind of feels that way,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't considered um, that. You know, I was very impressed with this opening shot, by the way. Why? Where it starts upside down, and then oh, yeah. it, it it turns over as it's panning back with the guy walking. Like, that's an impressive shot, I thought.
1: It was really cool. It was good. It was a good shot. Um, I think it's a good shot because of the the inversion sort of gives us a sense of what's coming at the end of the episode in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, we then cut back to our main characters. Layla is trying to get Mark up. But he is knocked out after having lost Kanshu last episode. And um, it turns out the bad guys are not done with him. They are coming down the, the dunes in their Jeep. Layla does a whole thing where she hides from them and then comes out with a um, flare. And yep. she fakes them out with a flare. Real um, Jurassic Park business. And then she comes behind with another flare and throws it into the truck and the flare explodes the ammo. Killing, I don't think that would happen. happen. I do not think that would happen. Either. <laughs> like, like that happened. I was like, I really hope that in reality, <laughs>
2: ammunition isn't that volatile.
1: Yeah, I think that the, one of the premises of flares is that they're not like that flammable. Like, that's part of the premise, I think, of a flare. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not. It's not just going to send. And also, shell casings
2: are not that easy to explode. I don't think.
1: Yeah. So you know, I it's a know. It's, it's a cool, nice though. it's a cool moment, but it is I think does not it does not seem to me to make physical sense.
2: No. And it definitely no. sets up that if this was like a video game, her special thing is flares. Cause throughout this whole episode, she's using flares on stuff. <laughs> like that's definitely her, like her, her extra spot, her extra weapon or whatever. Uh,
1: so, uh, Mark wakes up. Um, or is it Stephen that wakes up? Stephen wakes up, right? Yeah. Stephen wakes up and, um, they continue on the desert to the temple, the tomb of Amit. And so on the way, Steven kind of gives some info to Layla that she doesn't like, which is that, um, Mark had said that once they're done with Khonshu, um, that he would disappear. Yeah. And Layla is not happy about that. And she's like, Oh, so he was just going to leave me. And Stephen's like, well, has, hasn't he already? Yeah. (laughs) Very cold. Very cold. Well, he's very confused. I think. Yeah, you know, um, I think is this when he explains to her that um, the reason why Mark is doing this is because he's afraid that Kanji is going to make her the next Avatar, right? This, no, nope, this that, that's not what's later. This. That's later.
2: That's right before okay. they
1: go in the temple. Well, they go. They find their way to the temple. Um, it feels to me like there's a scene missing from this episode.
2: You think so? Is it them with the goat? What's, what do you mean, them with the goat? Well, they, they, they. Park and then they're like, we're gonna have to walk from here. And they're walking through the canyon, and there's a goat like on the ridge. And and Stevens like goat, which is what he did the last time. And that that's how you know Harlow is nearby is because there's a goat. Oh, um, uh, well, you I'm know, making what, that it's up. A, I don't know if that's actually what they were trying to do. I don't it, think that's what, it, that's what I, I think was it, was like, like, cool, it was just a cool. It's just a
1: cool goat moment. I but honestly no, would
2: not be surprised if they were just filming and that goat happened to be up there, and they're like, get a shot of that goat.
1: No, because this is what I think is missing. There's I, either a scene missing with Harrow and his men going into the tomb. Yeah, uh, that's one. Or the other scene that's missing is these two come up on the camp, and the yeah. camp is totally empty. Yes. And then they wander into the camp, and neither one of them at any moment says, "Pretty weird." The whole camp's empty. Like it's, just I like, don't, it's like I don't think there's a scene missing
2: because there's that bit when. She gets more flares and then the camera pans down and we see the stuff covered in blood. So the idea is that we realize something's off. They're not thinking about it. Not, I
1: can't imagine off. they wouldn't notice that. I agree. It's a little, it's a little weird. It's a little odd. And I don't know what on. it even would add to have them not notice it. It makes them feel dumb to me. I yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, they don't know how many people they
2: were were there. So I guess that's kind of part of it in my mind. I don't it's know.
1: a big, it's a pretty big camp.
2: It is a very big camp. Yeah. So that's the thing, like so, like well, maybe everybody went into town for lunch. You know, it just know. seems
1: unlikely that you would leave it unguarded, right? It, so, like it, the fact that there's not like a guy sitting there, like yeah. a guy, yeah. like that is like very conf- strange to me. The the bit that made me chuckle
2: is when they first get to the camp, and. Uh, Layla goes and like hides behind a Jeep. And it's like Layla, you just crossed like a football field's worth of space between it is the so and funny. the jeep. Yeah. If anyone was gonna see you, it.
1: it happened. Like you can't sneak up on somebody yeah. in the desert in the middle of the afternoon. It's just not no. possible. Yeah. No. But, <laughs> but it's funny because she, she hides behind the jeep, indicating they think there might be somebody in the camp. So then when they get to the yeah. camp, I just want one scene where they go, That's strange. This is empty. Here. Like yeah. that's it. Because yeah. then they just go running into fucking tents. Well, first they say hello to a camel. they say hello to a camel and then they go running into tents so like they don't even know if there could be somebody in these tents so they must like and they
2: split up which you steven is not much of a fighter so that's quite dangerous yeah
1: it's just like i mean it's not a big deal because it doesn't really do anything to the story but while watching and i was like huh you know what you guys seem really fucking dumb right now yeah like truly dumb and if you got shot dead right now you would deserve it like straight up deserve it yeah they meet up in a tent and um Mark Spector uh, is mad at Stephen Grant because he is yelling at him from a mirror that uh, Stephen maybe has feelings for his wife. Yes, and we are introduced to the strangest love triangle in the history of anything. I think, right? Um, it's got to be up there. It's up there, right? It's these two men who share a body, who are the same man. It's not even like they're like magically sharing a body. This isn't like Firestorm. There is a fantastic movie about this story, which is what me, myself, and Irene uh so i love love that movie i'm a big fan of that movie uh so uh they um he they had this argument about uh about who who layla who gets layla and mark is like you know i will i will throw us off a cliff yep if uh if you'd so much as touch her
0: and, and it says, turns, don't
2: worry, we've got it from here. If I need advice on protein shakes, I'll talk to you. Yes. Uh,
1: and so, but then they do in fact end up kissing. They end up kissing. Well, she, in-
2: she goes to kiss him. And that's when he says, Mark is afraid that Khonshu will okay. use you as the avatar. Right. And, and she gets pissed that Mark would not let her make that choice for herself.
1: And it's a very he- awkward kiss. Um, he doesn't want to see, he's like, maybe he doesn't want to do it. It's like very awkward. Stephen Grant's not yes. a good kisser. Yes, they go and then down. He punches
2: himself in the face.
1: He punches himself in the face. It's very Which I really funny.
2: Liked. I really well, liked. Well, they go,
1: they go down into the tomb, and um, Mark does exactly what he said he was going to do, when he throws Stephen down down the cliff. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, what does she
2: say before she goes down? That he's confused by? Because I am also confused by what she says. Where I she's actually like, have no idea." She says like, like bungalow or something. And he's like, what? And she's like, I can
1: never tell when you're joking. I'm like, are you not? I don't know what Oh, oh, oh. she says, um, well, we have to belay down. Oh, okay. Okay. And he doesn't know what that is because he's never done this kind of stuff before. Yeah. Yeah. And but Mark Spectre does it all the time. So yes. like, um, so
2: they Which go this, down. this shows that his theory that he has muscle memory because Mark has done things is untrue.
1: Yeah. And uh he um they go down and 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 uh, Stephen Grant is like blown away, like he's like so blown away. Oh, uh, he comes down and he sees a statue and he says, uh, "This gorgeous." And Layla thinks he's talking about her, but he's in fact talking about this statue behind them. Yes. She has made a mark on the statue uh, in memory of her dead father. Yes. So, <clears throat> this show, we talked about this last week. I really am intrigued by the fact that this show is telling Moon Knight's origin in only exposition scenes and only little pieces at a time and not connecting them back to each other.
2: That's all. Like I, next episode. What? That all changes. Next episode. You think so? Uh, I believe uh, uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson said that the next episode is, is Mark's childhood and origin.
1: Okay, good, because I'm not, it's funny, like, knowing the origin from the comics, I get every one of these references, but I do feel like if I was a normal person, I might be very, very confused, because yeah. the way that the characters talk about it, it doesn't feel like they're telling us mystery points. Yes. Like, usually on a show, when they talk about mystery points, you know they're talking about a mystery point, so you go, well, they, okay, this that's episode
2: does, when, when Harlow shows up to, to Layla, and he's Why like, Why do you keep calling oh, him Gino? Harlow? Isn't that his name? His name's Harrow. Oh, Harrow. I worked on a Harlow. Gene Harrow. Harlow. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you want from me? Come on.
1: No, this, is, look, this is this is we're over a year into this.
2: Everybody knows my deal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh yeah, no, he does, he gives more of like a, a solid answer to some of these things. Like they've dropped stuff about this before, but I think that the way they dropped it, I just it didn't feel like building mystery. It just felt like semi confusing exposition. Yeah. Because okay. um, there's a way to do it that feels like building mystery. Sure. Um, but I just – it didn't feel like that to me. So they go into the tomb and they get down and they see that they are in a place with a lot of um, different uh, passages. Yes. And it's not really clear which way they're supposed to go. But Stephen Grant somehow uh, – somehow Palpatine returned. And uh, Stephen Grant somehow figures out I, – I honestly don't know how he figures this Look, out. Because there's six
2: out. passages – and the the eye has six
1: points or something. I mean, come on, like, like I don't mind it because it's like fun. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's like there's like a lot of fun like um, Indiana Jones Tomb Raider stuff in this episode that I don't I don't really mind it. But if you well, sit down he, and think about it,
2: they do that with something else in the episode too, and I can't remember what it is. But where he's like, he's like, blah blah blah. That must be this, and it's like, really, <laughs> like, really, it must not be? Oh. That. Well, that's um, quite the connection you made there. But that's uh, also, I mean, that's so basic for like your your action adventure story where it's oh, just yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. knows this stuff you know no
1: i 100 percent you don't so. want them sitting around not being able to figure out it, it is just funny that there's not, <laughs> not like like you might think there might be like another like um, you don't want them to do when i played uncharted and after like five minutes they would be like uh google what, what what is this and then you know that wouldn't work as much that wouldn't be as much fun if steven grant's just googling the answers uh, so he figures out that the temple is built in the shape of the eye of Horus and he figures out that the, um, Horus is like, Horus is like a, a mascara underneath his eye. That's the tongue. That represents the is, tongue. Each of them represents one true? of the six senses. I don't know. Cause it was cool. I was like, oh,
2: that's interesting.
1: But I don't know. I if honestly, true I honestly, do. I suspect it's not true. Um, well, whoever came up with it, good thinking. No, it's good thinking. And they've realized that the tongue refers to the avatar who speaks for Horus. So that I must like he tries be I like be
2: sexy when he says it. He's like the tongue. It's like, no, uh, Steven.
1: No. That must be where the avatar's body is and that's probably where the statue is going to be. Yes. So they begin going down that passageway and we get some pretty good walking down tomb stuff. Yep. And um they end up in this um big room with a couple of uh, sarcophagi and uh, there's blood and flesh all over the place. Yes. And there's bullets too. They find bullets down there and they're like, who are they shooting at? See, this is why I think that I wanted them to talk about this up top. Do you know what I mean? Like to like, when they came down here, they were already on the path of like, something is going on here. Yeah. Um, I would have liked that. I can
2: see a discussion in the writer's room where they're like, should they see something up top? And the the decision be like, no, because Steven's not going to go down if they see blood and bits. No, and no, not bullets. even
1: the blood. I don't mind they don't see the blood. Like they like the camera pans away from her and it shows one of those tools that they use to pull the brains out of mummies, yeah, covered in blood. Um, I don't mind that we only see that, but I just wanted the two of them to recognize that it's strange that the camp is empty. Okay. And I can't imagine they didn't write that. Like I just – I honestly can't imagine they didn't write a sentence. They might have cut it like for the purposes of just moving the fucking thing along. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I just – it's hard for me to imagine you writing that scene and not saying having, – having Layla go, huh, nobody's here. I guess we can check all the tents. Do you know what I mean? Like for supplies. Like, I, like it's, yeah. just, it's just – anyway. Break the boxes. See so, so if there's pizza in them. So they – they they there's a blood trail that leads from one of the sarcophagi into the hallway. And the blood trail leads to a, a – to be a recently defleshed skeleton. Pretty new skeleton. <laughs> yep. And Stephen's like, we are not going that way. And so <laughs> yep. uh, they figure out that they can go up. There's like a whole thing above. And so Stephen goes up. And he discovers a v- very fresh like Egyptian priest wizard setup. Yeah. And he's very excited about it, even though there's like a severed arm in it. Yes, he's very excited. He's very excited about it. I'm surprised he was excited about the severed arm. Um, but as that's happening, it turns out, it turns out there's fucking living mummies. Yep, and they go. It's pretty good. And it creeped me out every time that happened. In the yeah, they do this what clicking. They do this clicking. I wonder if yep. the premise is that the mummies don't have eyes, so they're doing like radar sense with the clicking. Oh, see, I thought it was they don't have tongues. So they're just knocking their teeth together. So they're just like, like the back of their throat. Their tongue is just kind of like, blop, blop, blop,
2: how could I be.
1: It's it. creepy as hell. Um, they're pretty. Co- it's pretty cool looking. It's a cool looking um, mummy, and we it's see great it. Looking. We see it kill the guy who was the detective from a couple episodes who who brought Stephen into Harrow's little yes. utopian community. It kills him. And then it disembowels him. It puts its hands inside his guts and we hear a lot of squishing and stuff. And yes. it's pretty intense. It's pretty great. It is pretty and then, intense. And then it puts him into a,
2: a like a vase.
1: Yeah. That's so it's basically, do, right? it's That's prepping him. Yeah. They would pull the organs out and put them in these vases. Yeah. It's prepping him for mummification basically. Um. So the mummy ends up finding Layla And Steven distracts the mummy and then he drops some shit from up on top on the mummy and says, says, I squished squished it. it. I squished
2: (laughs) it. (laughs) He's so excited.
1: Um, They split up. Yes. So Layla ends up out by this big cavern and she begins doing a very classic Indiana Jones, like creep around the side. Like there's like tiny little footholds that she can go on, like a tiny little path. And, um, as, as she goes, uh, there's a really great fucking bit where she is being chased by this mummy. And then all of a sudden it comes busting out of the darkness behind her and grabs her and pulls her in. And then she comes back out screaming and it pulls her back. Very good, um, jump, yeah. scare. And then Very good jump scare. Very good
2: jump scare. They do that twice where she comes out of the darkness, pulled back in, comes out of darkness, pulled back in, and then comes out a third time. And she's holding the mummy's hand. <laughs>
1: yeah she has torn the mummy's hand off the mummy's going to use its own bone to stab her yeah
2: it's pretty awesome <laughs>
1: it's pretty good it's <laughs> pretty badass it is pretty good um but she is able to uh take off the mask of it uh see the horrifying rotten face underneath and she is finally able to kill it yeah she puts a flare right into its eye she sure does Again, She sure does which by
2: the way when they were at the camp she
1: grabbed more flares she sure did
2: Stack up on. She knows um, what she's doing.
1: So, Stephen continues on, and uh, he goes a different way. And he's arguing with Mark Spector. Spector is very surprised that Stephen told the truth to Layla about why he was distancing himself from her. Yeah. And um, as they're talking about this, they come upon the tomb at the center of the, the sarcophagus at the center of the tomb, and because there is some Macedonian script on the sarcophagus. Stephen realizes that the um, final avatar, the last avatar of Ahmet was Alexander the Great, who was also a secret pharaoh of
2: Egypt. Yes, which I don't know if that's true. I imagine. Uh, it is. I, don't
1: I don't know. know. I um, know he was running all around Egypt. I know that. I think I he conquered know. Egypt, didn't he? I mean, yeah. this is very bad. I should have looked up anything about Alexander. The Great. I mean, I know like a little bit about Alexander the Great. Hey, and I've hey, seen hey, the motion. We're not picture starring the Pharaoh. We're talking about Marvel. All right. <laughs> um i really enjoyed that it was alexander the great yes uh i like that, that called him mr great mr great i like that though like there's like oh so you know i want to take a step back these mummies running around right because these mummies i think this is the first undead we have seen in live action marvel
2: i mean we're not counting zombie iron man from uh live from action home, right zombie
1: no because he's not real
2: because he's not real yeah it's a it's a it's a illusion I
1: think so. I think this is I the think first so, time i that. I think so. So, Marvel has a character called the Living Mummy. Yes. And I was kind of hoping he'd show up. Maybe he'll be in The Werewolf by Night. I guess. I mean, just it feels like this is a good opportunity to use him because he's not like really an interesting, that interesting a character.
2: Yeah. Um, he is Maybe a, they were uh, worried because there's Morbius, the living vampire,
1: coming out. They're like, we can't have living vampire and living mummy at the same time. His name is Nkantu. Nkantu, the living mummy. He. Um, he was, uh, he was, he was, he was a North African who was uh, brought into slavery by the Egyptians, and then had an uprising, and uh, a witch or a wizard—I forget which one it was—replaced all of his blood with embalming um, fluid, but also gave him this special thing that would keep him alive, okay. and then entombed him. And he was alive entombed for millennia. And when they op- when somebody opened the tomb, he was kind of nuts and um he has run like around five and, more minutes he has run around and done a lot of stuff in the marvel universe he's been a member of the new howling commandos which is a monster howling commandos yes um he has uh lived in monsteropolis he has shown up a bunch he's like a guy that they keep throwing into things because he's like a good character to have in the background he, he's, he's a good like a in weirdo. the back of yeah. war yeah he's a good weirdo guy and at one point they have him on the raft he's held up in the raft um, hmm. you know like so like he's been around he's but he's not he there's not no stories about him necessarily No, he's just
2: one of those like weird like that period when like when Marvel was like well we want to do monster stuff but we can't because of the comics code but what if all the monsters are just alive right and that's where you get the living
1: vampire and the living mummy and the werewolf yeah. by night
2: but it would have been cool the
1: werewolf by noon it would have been cool if um, if he had shown up in this I mean maybe he still might but I, I, I doubt it but it would have been it would have been neat I just would I would have liked it if somebody had said in is he connected to the spider-man rights like how morbius is I, no I he's totally separate. separate he's no. totally i mean like yeah he's like they were doing like um one-off Nobody, stories nobody's in some of the rights about him yeah no he was they were yep. doing one-off stories in some one of their uh, anthology magazines and he was like a lead is a really good cover he does get like a bunch of like solo stories of the living mummy there's a very good cover of the living mummy finding a tank that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like that's like the good stuff, man. Like a mummy fighting a tank. That's the good yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, There's the crossover
2: we need is the living
1: mummy versus DC's uh, ghost tank. There you go. Um, so Stephen has to open the sarcophagus. Um, he's very strong, it turns out. Yeah. Because he, he is able no to just shove that sarcophagus lid aside. Yep. No problem. And he unwraps the head of the mummy, Alexander the Great, Mr. and then Great. He, he breaks open his jaw and shoves his hand down his throat because he realizes they, the, the Ushtabi, the Ushabti, uh, which is the statue, has to be hidden where looters won't find it, right? Although yes. I don't think they really buried these guys with the idea of looters in mind, um, but, you know, whatever. No, they so didn't, didn't
2: they? Was that, but they like
1: that, that's why they put, like, other people in there with them. It was like, hey, when no, dad, those you get guard these people. But that, no, those, those are your uh, servants in the afterlife. Oh okay. They went with you, okay. To where you were going, um. They like were curses and stuff. I guess. I mean, they but, hid like, the they hid the hell out of these things. They were still finding ones
2: in, in pyramids we've been in a billion times, and they're like, I'm oh, we sure just turned left were, and found this guy. I'm not sure
1: they were considered hidden back back then, but I think it's just generations. They're of hidden before. behind like walls and stuff. Some of them. Yeah. Anyway, he goes down there to get this. He figures out that it must be in his throat. That makes sense. He's the voice of the avatar. And as he shows that's the bit where there's no way I would have figured that out. No. But
2: he's like,
1: he was the voice of the Avatar. And then he just rips his throat down. I'm
2: like, oh, I wouldn't have thought about that.
1: I would have looked at his feet first. Yeah. But um, like, maybe it's maybe down at the bottom of the I would look everywhere
2: else. I would look like, even if it occurred to me, like, maybe it's inside his throat. I'd be like, I'm not going there until I have to. I'm not going that.
1: The best part, as he shoves his hand down the throat and really gets down there, like to the elbow. Yeah. Mark Spectre goes, get in there. Go <laughs> <laughs> on. Get on in there. Yeah. A little, a little like, sexually perverted to get in there too. He's like okay. It is. It definitely is. Oscar Isaac is definitely putting a little spin on that. A little spin. Um, on. He's like get 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 all the way in there. It's and, funny. And Stephen is like I I am
2: unbelievably sorry about this.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> funny because Stephen has this really disgusted look on his face, but I'd have to imagine that mummy is mostly paper now. I think just the concept of it? Yeah, I guess so. It's really gross. But there's nothing in there. They take everything out. They just fill it up with like cotton and shit. Yeah,
2: but still the concept of like I'm going to put my my Arm inside this thousands of
1: year old body—it's gross. It's a gross idea. Back outside in the cavern, Harrow shows up and is very impressed by Layla killing. I think you mean Harlow. Harlow, Gene Harlow shows up and is very impressed by Layla killing the mummy. And he goes, "Oh, beautiful work!" And she has a great bit. She goes, "Why are guys like you always so condescending?" Yes, and I, I love that. And he's like really taken aback by it because he thinks that he's like – he thinks that he's like the gentle leader, the spiritual leader, like heaping praise. And then she's like, you're condescending, and he doesn't really know how to respond to that. It's kind of great. Um, I I think that uh, Ethan Hawke does a really good job with it. And then he begins going into the psychology business here again, and he starts throwing stuff about her dad at her, including your dad would be so proud that you're one of the people to prove what he always suspected, that the gods walk among us. And then he starts talking about her dad's death. And, uh, he says, you know, when I judged Mark, I saw everything and, uh, it can't be hidden from me. So I know all the truths. And he's like, there was a guy, uh, wore like a, a handmade scarf, scarabs on it. I think his daughter made the scarf for him. Oh yeah. He was killed by this band of mercenaries. And, uh, it turns out Mark Specter was one of them. Mark and Spector so,
2: remembers that day well. He
1: said. Yeah. Mark <laughs> Specter remembers that day well. He's like, he really talks around it, right? Like he doesn't say yeah. that Mark Specter killed the guy, but like, you know he remembers that day well, so uh, it is, it is, it is a pretty good um
2: as my buddy John Barry would say. I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> um, she is like, fuck you, and uh, takes off and runs into Spectre or Stephen Grant, I guess, yeah, and begins yelling at him. Uh, this is one of those scenes in a TV show or movie where a character is overcome by emotion in a scenario where they probably should wait. Yes. Like they definitely need to like
2: think, think like, tries. he tries. He's
1: like yeah, he like, no, he's we got go. go. to go. We got to go. We got to go right now. Later. Oh yeah, yeah, because um is is, is Spectre in charge it of it? Is Spectre is, now, I think. Okay. I, I, think yeah, so. I think Spectre is in charge of the body right here. Um yeah, he's like we we got to go, but then um they uh she she insists. And he's like, "Listen, I wanted to um I wanted to. I, ever since I met you, I wanted to apologize to you. He goes, you have to understand, like, your dad was killed by my partner, and then I was killed by my partner.
2: Yeah. And then she and, goes, you. We only met because you killed my father. And that's yeah. that's a rough moment right there. Like, oh.
1: Yeah. So it's his yeah. guilty conscience. He he found her because he had a guilty conscience. Yeah. Um. So uh. It's like that movie last Christmas. He's just standing there with that Oshabti in his hand and having this argument, and then all of a sudden Harrow and his guys come in. And he gives he gives her the Oshabti, right? Yes. And then he picks up some golden axes and begins fighting guys with golden axes. <laughs> yep, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it rules so hard. Yep. It really rules very hard. He just picks up fucking golden ceremonial axes and begins fighting guys. I really want to take a step back we talked to you last week about how this show, the really interesting thing about this show is that it keeps changing what the show is. Yes. And this episode very ably moved into this kind of Indiana Jones territory. Yes. Indiana Jones, The Mummy, you know, like very, very ably, like uh, impressively so, that you might think that this was the show. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's almost hard to remember that the show began with a dipshit in a, in a museum. Well, well,
2: down to watching this episode and all I could think – not all I could think, but one of the main things I kept thinking was like, hey, if you're going to recast Indiana Jones, uh, the actress that plays uh, Layla may, I'm going to say her last name wrong, uh, Kalamwe. I, I hope that's close.
1: You got it wrong, but don't worry about it. All right. She's the perfect I don't know how to say it.
2: That's Indiana Jones right there. Like, you just cast yeah. her. Like, done. Because she's great in this. Episode. Like, when she's finding the mummy, it's great. And she's running around doing the stuff with the, with the, the flares. I was like, she's Indiana Jones.
1: She's good to go. She's terrific. She's really cool in this episode. Um, Mark Spector attacks the disciples. He starts killing guys with axes. And um, Harrow is like, listen, Mark, like, Khonshu's gone. You have a choice now. You don't have to do this anymore. Like, you're not, you know, he got, I remember the day when I woke up after Khonshu left. And I had no longer had that noise in my head. And just how great that felt to have that silence. And it's like, Mark, you have the opportunity now to, like, make a different choice. And Mark Spector is like, go fuck yourself. And so he shoots Mark Spector in the chest twice. Yep. And Harrow says something that's very true. You know, he says, I can't help someone who will not say help them. I cannot save someone who will not save themselves. Yes. That's very true. I'm going to tell you, I'm a person in recovery. That is one of the lessons that you learn very quickly. Somebody has to want to be saved in order to be saved. You can't force somebody to get their shit together. Can't be done.
2: uh, Jesus Zoidberg says on the Futurama. There you go. Help us, Jesus. I can only help those who help themselves.
1: Really great bit where Mark falls backwards into a pool of standing water and then sinks in and then floats down into darkness and then heads toward a light and zooms in towards the light. And then the camera comes into the light and the light turns into a flashlight. Yes. And the entire aspect ratio changes and the film format changes. Yep. And all of a sudden we are watching a guy come through a, it's like funny because like at first I was like, is this a flashback to his origin? Is that what's happening here? And then I was like, this looks like shit. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe this looks like shit. This looks like absolute crap. (laughs) And it turns out what we're watching is a VHS of a motion picture called Tomb Buster. Yes. It's about British archaeologist Stephen Grant yep. who is currently busting an Aztec tomb with his, with his trusty sidekick. And uh, then we pull out and realize that this movie is playing on TV in, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a mental ward. Yes. So now I, I was reading some people talking about this on Reddit. And they said, what's happening at the end? Has everything been in his head? And no, I really, I really had to say, hey, do you not understand how to watch something like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you here. <laughs> like, it's so clear. that This is not real. Like, it's so yeah. cl- like, like, it's just so clear. But people on Reddit were like, I don't know. I was so confused. Like, especially I can,
2: I can kind of understand at first being a little confused when the giant hi- Egyptian hippo lady shows up at the end. That's probably not a flashback.
1: Well, when fucking uh he pulls fucking Stephen Grant out of a sarcophagus and hugs yes. him, I think that really gives you but what we are in, we are and, in- a... it says what's the last thing you remember? And he says being shot. Yeah. That should probably do it too. Yeah. Uh but also just the very layout of the place. It's a totally all white environment. Yes. Everything yeah. is white, like really shockingly white. And yeah. Um, throughout it, we see little things that are callbacks to previous episodes.
2: There's primarily the, everyone in
1: there is somebody who we've seen before. Yep. Girl. And like we see the cupcakes and we see the Alp, the Alpine Village and we see all kinds of other stuff that are callbacks to previous episodes, that, to, yeah. to things that have happened. And we see that Mark Spector is sitting um, in a chair. He is fucking totally zonked on yeah. sedatives. He tries to get out of the chair, but he is he can't down, drops his toy. Layla comes to him and is like, we had to turn off that movie because we've watched it seven times this week. It's too many times. Yeah. And, uh, then he goes in to see his doctor. Well, before his- that, something very important happens. I What's think that?
2: is very important is they're playing bingo. And she yeah. looks at his card and she says, you've got bingo. We've got bingo. And she takes the card, holds it up and goes, I won. I have bingo. I think it's very important.
1: I thought it was really interesting. The bingo caller says, looks like we have a winner before she said, I won. Yes. So, yes. I mean, that's part of the surreality of the whole thing, right? Obviously, like, you know what I mean? I like, think cause there's and more effect. to it? What do you think? So um, Marvel I put out a bingo a bingo poster. You think, think she's she, an avatar? I think
2: that's – or at least in this moment, and, and there is definitely weird stuff going on, it's his fear of her accepting becoming an, an avatar of Khonshu. And that's why it's you have it, we have it, I have it, right? You know, and and the, the the person calling out the numbers, obviously, it's not actually you know the actor that voices Kanshu, but it is Kanshu, and that's why it's like, I think we have a winner before she says anything.
1: Worth noting is this um, insane that's asylum. This insane asylum comes from the Jeff Lemire. Run of Moon Knight, which the showrunners have said was very influential to them. That 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 run begins with Moon Knight in an insane asylum. Yes. Um, so that's like definitely what they're calling back to here. That yeah. that run of comics. He did he had Sweet Tooth, which was a Netflix show. Did you watch Sweet Tooth? First season was great. Can't wait for the second. Very excited for I, the second season. I just didn't watch it. I my oh, girlfriend I really watched it and enjoyed it. I loved um it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like one of those ones, it's like very funny. Like it's one of those ones I know is good, but there's just something about like the post-apocalyptic seven episode thing where I was like, I yeah. feel like this is going to be a little too slow for my taste and I'm maybe tired of post-apocalypse right now because I live in it.
2: Yeah. Um, they actually that,
1: The show I thought had a really good pace to
2: it, that it, it yeah. moves really well because each episode is a different location and a different place and different people showing up. Right. So that really helps out. Right. You know, but uh, yeah, I liked it. I really liked it. I'm really looking forward to the next season.
1: Um, so he goes in to see his psychiatrist, who is none other than Gene Harlow. And Harlow. Yep. a <laughs> new haircut. Harlow. Harlow. And they have this conversation um where uh first Harrow is like, Oh, it was so fun to pull out my old VHS machine to watch this movie. It's Tomb Buster. And he mentions – what's really interesting is that he says, you know what? The production value on this movie is so low. I can't imagine many people have ever seen it. Yes. And so I wonder, is Tomb Buster real? No. You don't think so? You don't think that's where the Stephen Grant persona comes from?
2: No. Hmm. The Stephen, in the comics, the Stephen Grant persona comes from when Mark Spector was a kid and he found out that his rabbi was actually a serial killer and also a Nazi. I mean it happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's that's when his personality yeah. broke for the first it, time. You know, it it happens like that. You know what? If I had a nickel for every time I've heard that one.
2: Yeah, who hasn't, you. right? Yeah. <laughs> he was killing people in the back of the synagogue.
1: So. Oh, I hope that a Jewish writer wrote that one. <laughs> I don't know who wrote it. I don't know. Man, oh man. So, um uh, Spectre decides he's going to get away and he starts fighting against, he's, he's totally drugged up. And Harrow's like, This is for your own good. Yeah, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be drugged up if you hadn't been violent before. And, um, but Spectre is able to actually get out of his chair. He crawls across the room, he breaks through the window of the door. Some dudes come in, dudes we've seen before. It's the guy who was previously murdered in this episode comes yep. busting in through the door and he beats these guys up and runs down the hallway. Yes. Um, Harrow's like, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. And, and he really, runs and down the was, hallway. Uh,
2: Ty Templeton created the, the Nazi rabbi serial killer. <laughs>
1: well, I don't know what Ty Templeton's uh, heritage favorite. is. Yeah. So Mark goes and runs and hides. By the way, I want to take a moment to say that because this episode doesn't have any Moon Knight stuff in it, I feel like they have a lot of money to spend because this episode looks great from beginning to end.
2: It's a great looking episode. Yeah.
1: And this part in the insane asylum, I think, looks
2: incredible. I just wanna say you might remember last week I said, I'm gonna be really bummed if we go a while without Moon Knight I was not bummed. I think this movie Yeah, I don't think for, we're missing anything. It does not feel like anything's missing.
1: Like I think a lot of times in a show like this, if like the character doesn't have the superpowers for an episode, it's like a lot of fucking putzing around and talking. Or you know, like the first Thor movie. Right. Um, but this though, he's just doing shit. He's just doing fucking Indiana Jones stuff. The whole episode. It's fucking rules. And Layla steps up and is killing mummies and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean like nothing, none of this would have been improved by Moon Knight appearing. No, no, like it's just it's just a good fucking adventure story happening in the middle of this show, yes. Um, and then this stuff in the insane asylum, I think that this is probably the, some of the best looking stuff Benson and Morehead have ever shot. I, I I don't I don't know what like what what their lenses they're using are here, but it looks really cinematic and grand. And they're shooting in these little hallways. I'm assuming they're using some kind of like anamorphic lens that's really doing a fucking lot of work here because it looks incredible. They keep the the camera really steady yes um which i think also really helps make it feel really grandly cinematic um and uh so and, and they spe- play a lot with uh uh i can't think of the right word but like the the,
2: the point at like focus you know mm-hmm. where like usually marvel stuff usually the focus is very flat very straight where here yeah. they're really using like the focus to to focus on things and whatnot
1: it's yeah it's cool. really really good it really looks great and so he hides in this room and in this room there is a sarcophagus and somebody's banging on the inside of it so mark opens it up and out pops none other than Stephen grant and uh um, other than
2: I... oscar isaac's brother apparently oh really that's how they do the shot when they hug oh that's great
1: well i thought it was really great that they hug
2: yes i love that that was really. because nice. there's
1: another take on this where they fight or they like are, yeah. are at odds like, you try they...
2: to take my my wife
1: yeah.
2: It's really, like really it. wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It made me happy. Um, so they realize that they're both remember being shot, that this is not real, what's happening and to them. They're both so excited to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they go back out into the hallway and to try to continue to escape and they go by another room with another sarcophagus where somebody's banging off at, like like crazy in the sarcophagus. And
2: if you listen real carefully, you can hear
1: somebody order a cab. <laughs> Boo boo why that's what uh, it's, he quite, is. it's quite clearly uh Jake Lockley in there
2: yeah so and he's a cab his, driver
1: he is a cab driver it's his it's yeah. his it's his third persona um that probably has been appearing but with, with nobody knowing about it it seems likely well, that this we, is the guy we, we been know killing
2: people. last episode right where
1: a bunch of right. people get killed and Mark thinks that that, that Stephen seems it. It like Mark I didn't do it, it. so somebody right. was in charge yeah Um, it's really interesting, uh, the way that this show has these two episode little mini arcs, right? So like we had like kind of a, a, kind of a Mark Spectory mini arc right now. Yeah. Like we had like the adventure mercenary, like action stuff. That's Mark Spector. We had the first two episodes It's Stephen Grant. It's like confused and stuff like that. Oh, speaking of which in the first episode, when we first meet Stephen Grant, he's talking to this little girl about this mummy. Yeah. And she says to him, how did it feel when you were rejected from the field of the reeds? And he goes, well, I'm not a mummy. And so mm-hmm. that is the Egyptian afterlife stuff. So that's what's happening here. He's in some kind of an afterlife thing. Yeah. I suspect he's being rejected from the field of reeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this guy banging, banging, banging. They don't open the the, the sarcophagus, much to yeah, my show. Wait till next episode. But then they bust open a door. And there is a giant hippopotamus-headed Egyptian goddess, uh, Tauret, who's a real goddess. That is really the goddess, Toweret. And um, what does she say? Do you know what she says? I can't She remember. says, howdy. <laughs> I believe she says howdy. She <laughs> says like, hello, or howdy. Or something I know like. she like, says hi. She says hi. Howdy. Yeah, and then they scream. <laughs> and then that's the end of the episode. Yes. Tawaret's a real um, god, right? So that's a real god. And Talbot's a really interesting God for a couple of reasons, because she's the goddess of uh, childbirth and fertility. Okay. Um, But uh, she also has some work uh, dealing with and protecting people as they make the transition to the afterlife.
2: Okay. So transition to life and transition to the afterlife.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's very interesting um, because – She's pretty much an unambiguously good god for our for our purposes here. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how she is used in the show. Seems like it's, she's going to be
2: good here since she she has a very chipper voice when she says hi. Yeah,
1: I mean like uh, that's I don't the think thing. She's going to
2: be like evil. You
1: know? Yeah, they they definitely introduce us to her in a way that makes us feel like she is here to help our boys, even
2: though they're screaming and terrible. I mean,
1: because there's a giant fucking hippo person talking
2: to them. Yes. Yeah, it is which pretty is wild. terrifying and scary. Yeah, and you've just woken up from being shot, and you're in a weird place,
1: and you're in a surreal, insane asylum. Yeah, no, yeah. the whole thing is very, very. Good. These guys are having a hard time; they're having a really fucking hard time.
2: Yes, all yes. right,
1: and that's the end of the episode.
2: That's it. What'd you think? I fucking love this one. I think this is the best episode so far.
1: I loved it. I absolutely we, loved it. We've had a couple people in the comments on this program saying they're not fans of the show. I kind of don't get it. I mean, I respect it. I don't get it. I've liked the show very much so far. Um, but this is the episode that I loved. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do wish we had more of this earlier. Yeah. Um, to be fair, but uh I thought that this was really, really incredible. It was I love, just a I, great I, fun episode.
2: I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, I definitely I can see why people may not like the show, but uh I disagree with them. You know, like it's right. I mean it it's It runs into that thing that we see quite often where it's different than other Marvel, or not quite often, but often enough, I guess, where it's different than other Marvel stuff. So people are like, oh, this isn't giving me that Marvel feel, you know, but that's part of what I like about it is, I mean, this has this very, you know, and, and it's not by accident. Look at the people who are making the show, a very low, like under the surface horror movie feel to it.
1: Right. I'm really digging that. I'm loving that kind of stuff. And yeah, this was a real horror. There's real horror stuff in this episode. Yeah. But I think that's really fair because there's real horror stuff in Temple of Doom. You know what I mean? Like it's part of the genre, yes. right? So no, I, I and, don't I don't think it, it – And the it, Brendan it, Fraser mummy is technically yeah. a remake of a horror movie, right? So. Yeah, and, and and in
2: theory, you know, I, if you're young enough, I imagine there's stuff in the Brendan Fraser uh, mummy movie that creeps you out. And there was a moment when a guy opens his mouth and just thousands of locusts come flying out of his mouth. That's creepy and terrifying, right? Like that's creepy stuff. It's a lot but of pixels. Yes. Yeah. But you know, I, I enjoyed, I really like the the flow of the show. I think, I think it's one thing I've complained about with other Marvel shows that we watch is that they're kind of slow to get moving. And this one doesn't not, I have not felt that way about it. I feel like each episode moves really well and, and the pacing
1: is really good for it. And uh, each episode has felt like an episode too. Is the other thing. Yes, I think, I think the Marvel shows are pretty good with that in general. They don't have that Netflix disease, um, where you don't really know where an episode begins <laughs> and ends. It just sort of just does. Yeah. Uh, but these have all felt different, and the fact that each little episode or little arc seems to have their, its own genre that it's playing within, I think, really helps too. Yeah, I'm kind of curious where it goes for the final two episodes. Well, and they keep moving to
2: different locations. I mean, it's the same thing right. as like what I think really worked well with Sweet Tooth is, which we mentioned before. I'm not just bringing it up randomly. Is that each episode is in a different place, so you don't feel like you're just kind of sitting in the same spot all the time? You're like, okay, we're right. moving, we're here, we're here, we're here. Things are moving, things are moving. You know, I think that helps out a lot. And right. and it's it's an unfair thing to say with Wandavision, where the whole
1: idea is that they can't leave there. That's the space they're in, right? Like that's the whole point of that show. Well, but the show and moved through eras of through eras and that's sitcom. Helped. Yeah, yeah. Every episode was a different era of a sitcom, so it had a different feel as a result. Yeah, I mean, I like Wandavision better than you did. I think that Wandavision failed. The land. It did not do the landing. It, it did not did the do the landing, and separate.
2: I think that's the problem with the first two episodes. Is it is essentially the same period. You know, like right. the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched were not that separated, especially since they're doing early black and white Bewitched instead right. of the later Bewitched. Right. You know, and so run into that problem there. But
1: I mean, I think for me, well, and some of the complaints we've seen in the comments is that people don't really care for the characters. But I like Oscar Isaac, so I think that just carries me through a lot of it. I I. I like Steven. Yeah, you Steven's know. fine. I'm not against yeah. them. But I like I like Oscar Isaac. I like Layla. So, so I think that the thing for me, well, the thing is that Layla's not had a big presence until this episode.
2: This this episode, she became my favorite character in the Marvel universe. So, wow, you a big fan of recency bias, um, dude? So, she she blew up a truck with a flare and then stabbed a mummy in the face with a flare. You don't
1: argue with that. Like that's cool. That's it. She's gonna be she could be known as the flare. Yeah. I like Uh, the way there you go. (laughs) There you go. Uh, but I, I really, that's that's one of Batman's people. One of his sidekicks is the signal, the signal. Um, but I really like Oscar Isaac so much and I've enjoyed his work on this so much that that's, there is not a big cast in this, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. There's not like a big supporting cast in this. Um, but I, I, I've not felt a problem from that. um, but uh, you know, I I, I like the show. But I thought this was an excellent fucking episode, and I am very excited to see where it goes in the final act. I think that it's really done some stuff. I thought last episode I had some problems with some janky pacing. Yeah, we talked about that. I had some problems with some transitions and some decision making that characters made. I didn't really always understand what, what what was motivating them forward. This episode, I didn't have that problem. Um, everything really flowed very nicely. I mean, of course, they spend most of the episode in a tomb, so that really does. Yeah. Reduce their, their their options. But I just thought the pacing was terrific in this episode. I thought the
2: pacing was terrific. And and I think – because you also had problems with here when they got to the the camp. You had some issues.
1: Yeah, I had that and, one issue. I just
2: wish that they had, you know. And I think there's a moment in episode two that lets you know what kind of show this is when it comes to that kind of thing. And that's when Haro is, is talking and Steven looks to to his side and goes, goat. And that's what the show is. Sometimes we're just going to jump to the goat. That's how it yeah. goes. Yeah.
1: Um, so I have definitely, I definitely really, really, um, enjoyed, um, this episode. I thought it was really, really good. I'm very excited to see what happens next week. I'm excited to sort of see, uh, what the larger, if there is a larger thing happening with the gods, if the gods are being imprisoned by the end. I hope there's not
2: only because we only have two episodes left and it feels like there's a lot to do in those two episodes already. So I'm hoping that we don't run into a lot of stuff happening in like the last 20 minutes, you know? Yeah, i mean, I agree, but I think there's been a
1: lot of stuff happening. So that's actually, the thing is that I don't think the show has been spinning wheels. No, it hasn't been spinning wheels, but, but, but there's still like, there's still, there's a whole, there's a whole motion picture remaining. So I think that establishing that the gods are imprisoning other gods and that maybe the big bad guy is Osiris. That's a whole motion picture story. So I think we could do that.
2: But if the thing I read was right, that the next episode is primarily Mark Spector's origin. Right. That leaves us one episode for him to break out Kanshu to true. defeat Haro. He to might break out the Khonshu rise. next episode. He might. I, I, I have a feeling that's what's going to – what it's going to be is he's going to break out all of the gods that are locked up. Yeah, I think so too. That's my guess. And yeah, it's going to be a thing of like – and that's when Khonshu is going to be like, no, you moron. All the other ones are locked up for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, now I mean. you got to go deal with that. And he'll be like, really? He's like, yes, you can't cross over with any other heroes until you take care of this.
1: No. <laughs> we will find that out next week. We'll be back to talk about that episode. We'll also be back in a couple of days to talk about a new episode of the Star Wars Rebels on the Bad Batch, our podcast for $1 or above subscribers at the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And in a couple of weeks – we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on our show Watchmen, which is available to the $5 and above subscriber. Right now, if you listen, if you subscribe at that level, you can get the latest episodes about Morbius, and the episode before that is a five-hour epic about the Batman. Have you rewatched that on HBO Max yet? I have not. I have not had time. I keep meaning to, but it's like four hours
2: long, so. Yeah. I got kind of upset today. I was like, oh, while I eat, I'm going to watch because they have special features for the Batman. I'll watch the special features. I didn't realize it was all just like one minute snippets of like, hey, I played Catwoman. And like, that's it. It's like, well, that's, I'm not Yeah, gonna it's just hell. all EPK stuff, like, stuff now. This is all far better than that.
1: Yeah. So, I need I mean, to watch the commentary track on Eternals. That's up now on Disney. Plus. Oh, it is? Oh, I yep. didn't know it was up. Okay, I got to yep. watch that. All right, we'll be back again next week. Derek, where can they find you on the internet in the meantime? You. you can find me on Twitter at
2: WH underscore whwolhack.
1: You can find me on Twitter at DevinCF. And in the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. But most of all, may you remain a true believer.